Hi, welcome to this week's Fighting Words. It's been a couple weeks. I took a a break. Sometimes you got to take a break. And uh, but I'm excited to be back. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, actually, I'm excited for the next few episodes. I've got uh, a couple uh, new friends, actually, or some older friends coming on, and some new friends, and um, to talk things like, uh, well. What do you think about Jesus, and what do you believe about life? And uh, for the past several, well, since the beginning of this podcast, really everyone on the podcast has been a member of Redeemer, and uh, that's been good, and we'll continue to do some of that. But I'm excited to bring in some people from outside Redeemer, and even people who don't consider themselves Christians, and just have conversations about life and what we find valuable and things like that. So I'm excited for that, so stay tuned over the next few uh, episodes and I'm actually trying to get my wife to come back on she's well she's willing to is just finding the right time to do that so that'll be that'll be fun so yeah thanks to all of you for tuning in here Redeemer Church's Fighting Words podcast Donovan here your regular host and uh today I'm joined by Michael Van Wardheisen hey Michael hi and you've been on before yeah I'm not one of the uh people that uh you're one of the uh, uh non-christians i've brought on i'm not recently. one of the non-christians you brought on <laughs> no um you are so most people uh listening to redeemer probably know but who are you i'm michael with a long dutch last name as we discussed last time mm-hmm. van wardheisen and I'm i told the- my kids i'd pay him 20 bucks if they could spell your name did any of them one succeed? of them was one letter off man i did was they like miss the double a no, it. I think uh, was it Augie, U? it was the U. It was the U. It's yeah. either the double A or the U, usually. Yeah. Why don't you drop the A? Because... Like, you don't need two A's. Because the tradition, tradition? Tradition, I knew baby. you were a <laughs> Pharisee. <laughs> well, duh. So I mean, just think me. how much time you would save if you if you didn't have to write and type an A, another A over the course of your lifetime. The double A is actually easy. It's the H-U-I... And then hops. Yeah, you don't need the over. U or the space. We should just cut out all <laughs> of the vowels. Change your name. Go um, go Hebrew and cut the vowels. So you're one of the uh, so-called pastors at Redeemer. So-called pastors. <laughs> I love that phrase, so-called. The so-called white man. You're one of the so-called white men at Redeemer. Yeah. And um, yeah, you lead Rise and... Yep. Among other things, you yep. want the pastoral team. Yep, serve at the Cedar Falls campus. These are true things. I want to make some observations about your face. Yeah, dude, please do. So, if you know Michael uh, or have seen him, uh, you know how long was your beard? Inches, wise. You no know, years. <laughs> <laughs> Millimeters, bro. Like, My beard was five and a half years long. How long was it in inches? Parts of it were like. 12 inches. That's foul. And parts of it were like eight, depending on what part of my face it came from. So recently you had to cut it off. Well, you were kind of, seems like I you were kind of thinking about it thinking anyway. about it. I got to cut it off. You it got to. how I think of it now. Okay, good. Cause that's like my kids. When they say we have to clean the house, I say you get to clean the house. Because I wasn't forced to do anything. People are always like, did they make you do it? And I was like, no, I chose to do it. They gave me the alternative option and I just didn't want the alternative. Okay, so to, for, for clarity's sake, and this is what we're actually going to talk about is you, you got a new job at... Uh, sidecar, yep. Coffee shop, and uh, they said either either put a beard net on. Yeah, they're like, hey, would you be willing to wear a beard net because you know you're working with food and drink, <laughs> and uh, 
they didn't they don't even know the half of how much hair falls out of my beard fell out of my beard every single day ask my wife and that'd be and not to mention the stuff that's just hanging out in your beard yeah all the food and animals so you were um there well yeah and if you get a hair from that it's not like a little one inch hair that someone it's like a 12 inch hair foot long coarse (laughs) you know horse hair in your cappuccino and it's pretty clear that it's not yours unless you look exactly like me yeah that is pretty few and far between for humans who look like that so so um so you the beard is gone well you still have a beard but you don't have the long beard it's a it's a manageable beard a short half inch beard What's changed about me other than the beard's gone, now that the beard's gone? Well, I think you've developed a little bit of arrogance because <laughs> in light of your beard being gone, some people have uh, commented to you, this is according to your testimony, that people uh, just yeah. keep consistently telling you how beautiful you are. Yes. Wow, you're, han- you're so handsome. You're so handsome. And No, they say you're well, handsome now, but right now. They have to have the word now in there. Right, because it's been revealed. Yeah. But I just think it's just the degree of hideousness was so <laughs> intense that it's just refreshing to like uh, not be assaulted by your face. Yes. And they interpret that as being handsome. Absolutely. But don't don't let it go to your head, bro. It's just... Absolutely. That's what I wanted to address. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Did they notice how your nose is crooked? No. See, now everyone's well, going to know. Nobody's noticed, but now everybody knows. This is a new discovery in my life. That everybody knows. Partially crooked nose. It's my beauty mark. So you were you were just telling me before the podcast, you were online shopping for some glasses. Yeah, that virtual try-on on the internet. And so it's just staring at yourself? Staring at my face straight on. And I was like, holy smokes, my nose is a little bit crooked. I've never seen that. And Allie, my wife, had never seen that either. And so she's she, never looked at your face She's either. never looked at my face before. It was the beard. yeah nobody wants to look at your face um yeah so you're yeah it's not really noticeable though if you really look at it yeah in the right lighting well i was sure i was telling you my nose was crooked when i was 10 years old i broke my nose in a in a bounce house jumped up landed on some kid's head broke my nose and it was crooked all through high school and then when i was like 19 i got in a fight and we kind of rushed at each other because we didn't know how to fight you know and he put his head down and i put my head down and he uh, head butted me. That was the same thing. I broke it on a head, straightened it on a head. Anyway, and broke my nose again, but it ended up setting straight. So the reason my nose was crooked, because if you break your nose, they're going to set it. Mm-hmm. Right? You go to the doctor, and his, they put gauze in your nose to set it, and it should heal straight. But the mm-hmm. reason it didn't is because one night in my sleep, I swallowed one of the pieces of gauze. What? I remember, I just remember kind of snorting it, and then in the morning it was gone. And then we never went back to the doctor, and so it set crooked. I had one piece of it was going to push in this way, right? Oh, those piece of gauze is like eighteen inches long. They they just cram it in there. You know, it's like you. I don't know. You know, you your nasal cavity probably goes deeper than you think. Oh yeah, but it's packed, right? You get one little long yeah. kind of string, not you know, like half inch or quarter inch thick gauze, and it's just packed in there. So I swallowed an eighteen inch long piece of gauze, and you lived. Yeah. So I passed it. A try. You did. Yes. Yeah, so like now I'm like, I don't remember how old did. I am. Oh yeah, I'm like eight or nine years old. Oh man. I'm going number two <laughs> oh. and I see this thing because <laughs> oh, I didn't con- I don't know man the gauze was just gone I didn't even tell my parents I think like 
I don't know. I just wasn't too bright. But now I didn't consider the fact that this thing would be making a reappearance. And I panicked. I was a kid, man, and I just didn't know what it was. So I, I called for my mom. And I needed the assist. She came in and it was like a magic trick, man. Like, <laughs> true story, man. She's just pulling that thing out and I was like horrified. It was one of the most humiliating experiences of my life. So, Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad to know that. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> I, I'm not that impressive. So don't break your nose if don't you don't want to pass gauze. Yeah, there was a lot of mistakes in a row there. So in God's mercy, he sent someone else to break my nose again and straighten it out. Wow. So, there that's it is. Rich. It is rich. Wow. Man, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like restraining myself right now. Yeah. Oh, what, wow. Anything horrifying like that ever happened to you? I put my hand in a giant metal fan and almost lost all my fingers on my right hand. That's pretty horrifying. Yeah, like that's did it chop you cow- up? Yeah, it like filleted my fingers. How old bad. were you? Is this last week? Last week. Uh, I was like eight. I was not a bright kid either. Yeah. I don't know if any eight-year-old's really that bright. But it's like you, you can see your hand going toward the fan like this is not a good idea, like but I, I can't stop. I, I just, don't know <laughs> what goes into my into a person's mind when something like that happens, but like I was standing in front of this giant metal fan, and I was playing with this older kid. My dad was working on our, our school. He's a contractor, so he's always there doing work, and it was uh, in the evening, and... The, me, me and this other older kid were playing in the gym just the two of us and this big huge fan that had like no guard over the blades like my dad could stick his whole, whole arm through it that's how big the openings wow. were uh was blowing and he was standing behind it and this is literally all i remember is he was standing behind it i thought to myself he looks like he is enjoying the feeling of standing behind the fan. I want to put my hand behind the fan. You were going and, through the fan. And and feel what that feels like because I was standing in front of it. And for some reason, when I did the whole move to put my hand behind the fan, I just went forward. Straight at it. <laughs> Straight into it and went. And uh, it hit my thumb and the first three fingers. And I still have scars. You can actually see like little scars on my knuckles and yeah, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, rushed to the emergency room, and actually they didn't—they couldn't do anything. They just wrapped it up and you know consoled me. Yeah, there's no stitches. It yeah, it's just like sliced up lots of different places, and that's a very different kind of experience. But at the same time, very horrifying. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't stick my hand in fans anymore, and if I do, they're plastic or ceiling style, and it's on purpose. I like more to think so. uh, adults are a little more discerning than children, but and kids certainly. Uh, I was uh, hanging out with Augie, and we we're working on my car, and kind of having him help. And I gave him a screwdriver. You know, I said, "Here, hold the hold the screwdriver for me." We we're working on the rear end of my car, and then I look over, and he's just like moving toward the paint with the screwdriver. There's no screw <laughs> there. There's there's nothing but <laughs> panel and paint, and he's. Like in this hypnotized zone where he's like desiring to take the screwdriver to the side of the car or the back of the car. And and I look over and I go, what are you doing? And he looks at me and goes, I don't know. <laughs> okay, don't do that. He's like, okay. Like what was the oh, impulse? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like, I'm going to scratch. That? I'm going to do something. And 
Yeah. He was just hypnotized, man, by... I have lots of stories of doing stuff like that, like smashing bricks with a hammer that my dad was going to use for landscaping because it sounded pretty fun and... It's an impulse to destroy. Yeah. The toxic masculinity. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. I had a lot of that as an under 12-year-old. Had? And I have more. Now it's in f- like more. full bloom. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a little less. I shaved. Michael, you and... Uh, well, let's transition here. That's enough yeah. of that. Um, yeah. You and Allie are planning on leaving Redeemer Church. Finally. So... <laughs> um, okay, we, we, we've talked about this in the past. We're not getting into the whole big story, but... Um, you you guys feel called to go into church planting, and we yeah. celebrate that. We've had the pleasure of working with people in church planting at different levels, either just funding or training and sending our own people or just different degrees. And you guys are um, pursuing that path, and we, we celebrate that. And you're going to head to Colorado sometime next year, and uh, hopefully in the fall. That's what it's looking like, maybe, yep. se- maybe September. Yep. And... um partner with a another church there yep. so kind of we, we, the way we view it is we're we're playing the assist role here um you, you spent some time with us obviously training and growing and preparing and uh you know i think it'd be good to have another season there getting a little more training but also building some local partnerships and support yeah. and things like that so yeah um and and god has led you to that church what church what's the name of the church uh the oaks um in it's in a southern neighborhood of denver Okay, and this is a church that's part of the X One Nine Network and SBC. So yep, yep, they're in process with A Two Nine, and they're SBC uh, working with the North American Mission Board. They're, um, and yeah, and yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that's really an answer to to prayer because we you know we kind of said, hey, Michael, let's see if you can find a partner church. And man, you and Allie just kind of went out there, you know, following the Lord and start knocking on doors and meeting people and. You know, you met people who were like, who you said, hey, we're interested in coming out here and being involved in church planting. And these are church planting churches. Right. Who were like, yeah, great. Yep. <laughs> you yeah, kind of met with had, Stone Cold. Yeah, we had numerous conversations and we had anything from like interesting as the response to, oh, cool. Yeah, let us know if we can help. And I'm like, well, that's kind of why I'm talking to you right now. Yeah. To, um, hey, man, we're just not ready yep. for that, but we love what you're doing. I did have one of those conversations where they're like, if, if in nine months, you want to talk again, I think we'll have something ready by then. Um, and then this one where from moment number one, uh, conversation number one, cold conversation, um, of which Derek, the guy who leads the Oaks, planted the Oaks, has had many conversations like he had with me, but unlike um, where they didn't, they were flat. Those other conversations yeah. he's had were flat, whereas this one, he's just expecting another conversation, and I'm expecting I don't know what, because it was my first conversation, and there was just synergy, and yeah. lots of story to tell there of how that went, but there's synergy, the spirit was clearly in it, and um, yeah, we, the, we've we been walking together in various ways since May. Yeah. That's good, you know, and only God can arrange those things, and I'm thankful for it, because I certainly was convinced that you would need a strong local partner out there but had no guarantee that that would happen. Right. And, you know, so there's this risk of just like you going out there and not finding that and just feeling like abandoned and yeah, but God's good and he's provided that for you guys. And yeah. Um, so that it relates to what we're going to talk about today. And 
So you're going to head out there and, you know, do different things. You know, your plan is to spend some time with that church doing a residency, which is basically just another intense time of training and preparing and, uh, you know, knows exactly how long that'll be. But then from there, be sent out to plant a church. And while you're there, you envision yourself doing a handful of things, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, doing the residency, but also just getting to know the culture and also working outside of the church. Yes. Um, what we might call bivocational work, right? Yep. This is a church term for pastors that uh, work in the church, get part of their income from that, and then they work outside the church, get part of their income for that. Two vocations, bivocational. Um, and in preparation for that, you really felt led to start doing that now. Right. That I think that's a theme that God has been doing. He's like, hey, I'm going to give you this super strong conviction for something when you get to Denver and church planting. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you should probably start doing that now because, uh, A, well, actually, C, you need the practice, but A, like, if you think it's a good idea for there, why is it not a good idea for here? Yeah, so That's why really is it a good idea for there? You said you had a strong conviction that when yeah. you get out there, you should be working outside of the church. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of reasons. Some, sim- some as simple as, like, I do have margin. I do have some margin. Like, I've been blessed to be able to do this job here full time uh, through lots of means and lots of generosity. Uh, but I do have margin. I was once doing seminary and I've now since finished my degree. And so that created some time. And while I could and have used that time effectively, I think, um, in various ways and before I started this job, this, this way to cover your bit, your butt. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely have squandered time who hasn't, but I do think that I enjoyed the time that I, the margin, I loved it. I Mm -hmm. loved being able to scheme and plan and like try to put myself through other means of like education once school is over, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but the conviction came of like, okay, the purpose of getting this job once we get there is, uh, is to meet people and have what you might call a legitimate presence in the place in, in Denver, in Capitol Hill neighborhood of Denver, where we want to go. And not that, uh, showing up and just being a church planter and trying to meet people is, illegitimate in itself but like the people that we're trying to reach are not christians um when we get there that's like our really strongest our strongest desires to see the lost come to know jesus um and so i god has steered me to being legitimized in their eyes in in a way so that well sharing the, a common context is yeah just- even and, a and big so part of that. Where we're going is 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 a high, heavily urban, dense population place that uh, a lot of what's going on there is uh, service industry. So like food and coffee shops and bars and stuff, restaurants, that kind of stuff, of which I have no experience. I have construction experience, ministry experience, and I guess I worked in the dining center for like nine months, but I just like wiped tables and washed dishes and that's fine that's something but um and so i had had a strong conviction of like okay i spend a lot of time in coffee shops and i love coffee uh this could be a sweet spot and there's a coffee shop in there in this neighborhood that we love spending time in and my daydream and my prayer is that i would get a job at this coffee shop because then i could spend time there and work there and double dip in both ways once we're there of like ministry and discipleship and like 
the regulars and the coworkers, but also like be there and have a legitimate presence behind the counter instead of just a, a, a weirdo and presence in front of the counter for however long it takes. And so, um, so that desire was there and it's like, well, I spent a lot of time in sidecar in Cedar Falls. And so for all my coworkers who aren't listening, but who knows, maybe one of them listens to this cause they're friends with me on Facebook. You're about to find out why I got a job at sidecar. Um, but it's, I wanted to have a experience in this industry, if you will. Um, but so I could maybe actually get the job once I moved to Denver, but it's also like, let's do the thing now. Like I've been building relationships with people at these coffee shops for years now. And I get a minute here and two minutes there and I work one shift for four hours and I've just gotten a year's worth of time in one shift with some super sweet people that yeah. I want to make friends and display and tell about Jesus. Yeah. Yes. So the missional motive is there. And um, I certainly understand that that can be perceived as undesirable or whatever. But the way I view that is everyone has a mission. We have things we love and things that oh, we want to, sure. things we want others to enjoy. And we're made to share the things we delight in, whether they are coffee movies, philosophy, Jesus, shows, friends, that's we're sharing yeah. people. And so um so when I've talked about like to my non-believing coworkers like cuz I'm I'm the old well, from my understanding, I don't know every single human being that works at all these shops, but at, definitely in my shop, but most of them I'm probably the oldest outside of person that works there outside of the owners. Maybe that's not true, but I'm also I think one of the only people that's married and I think the only one who has kids and maybe even the most educated <laughs> with like a master's degree. So it's literally like, why are you working here? Yeah. And there are people from Redeemer who work there. And one of them I work with at my shop and he's like, who's that? Elliot. Okay. He's literally like, dude, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And it's been really great. Well, It's like, like Walt Whitman at the, uh, Oh, Walter, Walt Whitman, Walter Whitman. Uh, Walter White at the car wash. Yeah. Why are you doing this? Like, yeah, yeah. And so like my answer has been like, which is true. Like I want to make good coffee and good friends. Yeah. Like really, like I want these, I want to make good coffee and good friends. I value both of those things. And like what a good friend is, is um, somebody that I can live life with and, and share my joy with yeah who you really are yeah exactly and so so okay so i mean we can go different directions of this i mean basically what you know the title of this episode is mission at work and um and i think that's something that is really critical for us to think through as christians um we spend the majority of our time waking hours most of us at work even stay-at-home moms you know like that's your work and your own mission to your kids and um but that's a really different dynamic in terms of your kids all love you. You have authority over them. They're all being saturated in the gospel. But if you're working in a, if you're not, you know, a stay at home mom or you're, you know, whether you're a man or a woman and you're at this workplace where you go several hours a week and uh, it's going to vary depending on what, what place you work at. You know, if you go work at Chick-fil-A, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of Christians. There. There's going to be a lot of, they recruit from the Christian community. They're going to, there's going to be, oh, they recruit from the homeschool community. Now, certainly there's some non-Christians there, but that's a pretty strong Christian culture. Yeah. You know, and the people are going to be at different 
places on that spectrum. So as a whole, though, on average, I think you you you, you could it's safe to say that if you're a gospel-centered missional Christian, that's going to be the minority and a growing minority at uh, in most workplaces. Um, and even if it's not, it's certainly not the expressed mission of the workplace. So you work at right. Green, uh, John Deere and or Collins, like the the goal of the place is not to discuss philosophy and worldview in life. It's to to build these things or right. sidecar. It's to provide a quality coffee experience for the community, you know. And right. So that's the explicit um, goal. But then within that, you have people, humans that right. whose lives are more than that. Right. Who have hopes and dreams and failures and families maybe and educations or they're pursuing these things or their hobbies and interests and so it's like a like a third place it functions as a third place where people yeah. meet and share a common mission to provide coffee you know in your case um and an experience right not just coffee a coffee right. experience like i get i'm guessing how i yeah. would put it yeah yeah for the community and yet you're rubbing shoulders and, and getting to know each other and relationships can can uh move beyond that um so it's a it's a great opportunity for us to just love people, uh, imitate Christ, also share the gospel, serve God. There's a lot that goes on there. In fact, if you want, you can go back on our website and, and uh, on the sermons page, and there's a, a series called Work Matters. Yeah. Yep. Where we did, I don't know, 10 parts or, on this or something. I was just thinking about that yesterday, actually. And there's a lot of good work out there, like Tim Keller uh, wrote a book called Every Good Endeavor. Every Good Endeavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Endeavor. Endeavor. Um, mm-hmm. there's some other good works out there. I mean, we can link some stuff. Um, but it's been a, you know, again, it's a, it's a common opportunity and struggle for yes. Christians. So yes, you particularly, now you mentioned before you, you have, uh, here's what's interesting to, to me about you. You, the only thing. There's one thing that's interesting <laughs> yeah. about me, especially now that I've shared. And I just thought of it yesterday. <laughs> it's been... I've been here for it's, six, yeah, seven years. It's been seven uninter- years, uninteresting, and it's been uninteresting until yesterday. Seven years, dude. Yeah, it's the year of completion. We start. Got to go. It's time to go. We're gonna make it eight and ruin it. Yeah, I don't know what the year of eight is, but um, well, that's the fall. Well, you okay? Well, here's what's interesting is that um, you know, as you mentioned, you were. You've worked outside the church. Yeah. You worked in construction and other stuff. So you're working in construction at you're at Redeemer. You're serving in different ways, and then we have an opportunity. You'd always you'd had an expressed interest in desire in vocational ministry. Those doors hadn't been opened quite yet. You didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. Opportunity arose here for you to come on staff and uh, be a pastor, lead, rise among other things. <laughs> so we pulled you out of that world. Yeah. Where you were consistently with, right? I was full time Christians, full time working construction, putting gutters on homes, and other random things like that. But putting gutters on homes full time, and then yeah, I started here, and I was I still actually worked part time one day a week doing that um, for the next year for all of. 20, but eventually that went away. Seventeen, and then starting in twenty eighteen, I stopped doing that entirely, and I was a student in. I basically quit that job so I could be a student and uh, and be in ministry full-time. So for almost two years, we've sucked you into the Christian world where yeah. where you certainly have the opportunity for mission. I mean, you still have neighbors. You still have um, yeah. 
you know, opportunities to meet people in coffee shops and things like that. But in terms of your job description, to a great right. extent, it is. It's meet with me, meet with Dirk, meet with the elders, meet with pursue students, the students, parents. you know, and so it's just boom. All of a sudden, you're 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 surrounded by people who share a lot of the same vision, worldview, desires, passions, or at least they're on some scale there. Right. So now you've been, you kind of reemerged, right? You're going to go back to, I mean, you're still working at the church, but now you go back to, to to not working at the church, you know, full-time. You're there, you're at Sidecar. Okay, open-ended here. What has that been like? Yeah. So I think I'm spoiled. I just know that in so many ways, but it includes this because most human beings, when they start a job, it's like, well, I need to get a job. Like I need to work. I need to pay my bills. I got to get something going. And that's always been the way I've started most jobs. Aside from Redeemer, it's been every job. Like I need to get a job. Redeemer, it was like, I get to do this. Like yeah. not everybody has that experience. Some people do, but then now even again with starting a sidecar, it was not a, oh man, everybody always asks, is like, so is it about the money? Like, what is it? Cause you know, ministry, everybody has assumptions about how that functions pay wise, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, like the money's actually just, that's a sweet cherry on top. Like I get paid to do this. Sure. But, um, but the, the desire has been to be there and to spend time with people and to do, and to do good work with people that don't know Jesus. And, um, and so I, it wasn't as if I was functioning in moving into this as a, uh, oh man, I've got to get this job to make ends meet or to pay the bills. But like, I want this job. I want to do this. Like I, I drug my feet on it for a few months because I was like, man, do I now, really want to see As you're up? talking, I'm thinking <clears throat> those things don't, and I know you would agree with this, but we we fall into these things. Those things don't need to be mutually exclusive, right? Like, what? Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, what if? Yeah, you got to pay bills, right? But it's but it's more than that. It's also right. so what it what it's getting into is my vision, my pick, like my my desire is more than just paying bills. Like, my desire is more than, um just even like doing the good work because you yeah because there's certainly a crap some people are just doing are, the job they have to do to pay bills but some people like their job you the, have a craft. my manager is really good at his job and he loves it like he he doesn't know jesus but he he's really great at his job he does really good work and he i think he really loves it yeah and so like it's and so yet again it's, it's more than that like so i think i've gone into this job with the clearest desire and understanding of my purpose is more than providing for my family. It's more than making coffee that tastes good. Although I'd like to linger there maybe a couple minutes because that is, you know, part of those what we talked good, about. In those the, are big things. Yeah, providing huge. I mean, I think that's obvious to people though, like, hey, we got to provide. Um, but even the craft itself, like that's a... Uh, you don't have to be a Christian to enjoy your craft, but it is, it, it falls within Christian theology. That, I would say this is why people enjoy their crafts. It's yeah. because God is a crafter. Yes. Right. I he, literally just asked, answered this question for a coworker who is doing a, tell me. a mock interview for his communications major. 
he had to craft an interview process. And so he interviewed people that were in his uh, line of work um, at Sidecar. And so it was like, I can't remember the exact question, but it was basically like, why do you do what you do? Or like, what makes, what, what motivates you? Or why, do, why, why tr- try to do good work and stuff like that? Um, and that's, that's exactly it. Like I've been made by a good maker. Yeah. I've been crafted by the crafter and I, I desire to mirror that in, in good work. Like it's not, it's not usually been that way. Like I was raised with a do good, be good. Don't do bad. Don't be bad heavy mentality not necessarily like just that like it was good intended like well intended and all that but but yeah like i I, i've always functioned of like knowing that that was a good thing not necessarily always doing it but now it's like i want to i want (laughs) to as silly as this might sound to some people like i want to make the greatest tasting espresso shot you could ever pull to the glory of God. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's silly. I mean, I right. get if it, it, it might be strange. Because it's coffee. It's like, oh, sweet. Great. An espresso shot. Whatever. But okay. You know, this matters. All right. Let's go. So, yes. Yeah. God is a crafter, a creator, and he's, you know, we, there's no reason we couldn't just be like algae, just floating around. And that's a life form. Yeah. You know, there it is. But there's no crafting going on. Right. Like, we bear the image of God. We're crafters. So, we build cities and we build right. um, civilizations, frankly. But cities and civilizations aren't just uh, for survival; they're for flourishing, and that includes yes. that includes, I believe, a reflection of God's bounty and excess and grace. We don't just have sustenance; we have delicious food. We don't right. just have liquid; we have espresso. And and so, when is that the most beautiful and most wonderful? So I was listening to episode one of this cultural moment, yeah, and talking about this this beautiful world that we live in, like. They were talking about being in Portland, this $4 coffee with your expensive breakfast and, you know, beautiful architecture everywhere. And it's like, when is that at its, when is that greatest? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just when you're drinking a great cup of coffee because anybody that comes into our shop is drinking a great cup of coffee, in my opinion. But it's when you see the king. It's when you see the maker it's when you see that it's there's more because otherwise it's, it's just, a shadow. It's just sad. It's just this sad. is it. We've peaked. Yeah. It's a otherwise, cup of coffee. I, why not just be algae? <laughs> I mean that that's it takes a lot to get to that point where you would actually believe that. But but still, like I love. Yeah. It the the good coffee isn't enough. It's it's great, but it, it's it, a shadow. When is it really great? When is it actually great? When and it's not, it's when I, it's when it's the spirit giving me the jitters, not the espresso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So anyway, I wanted to linger there so that, yeah, there's benefit, obviously great benefit in like providing and like doing that and for our, ourselves, our family, our community, um, being a craftsman, imitating God, um, you know, I displaying think. Displaying uh, beauty. Displaying beauty. Again, I could just go back and listen to the whole series. I mean, also just, you know, uh. Bear, bringing an ethical, you know, um, what do you call it, posture into the workplace, you know, like there's various right. degrees of laziness or corruption or right. 
you know, how we re- relate to one another, how we relate to authority, how we relate to subordinates, like that, there's a yeah. certain call on us as, as Christians to model Christ, servant leadership, yeah. submission to respect for and submission for authority. That's been something that's been strange. So I've been in, I've been, you know, under your leadership and other forms of leadership since being at Redeemer. But, uh, but right now, like I said, I'm like the old guy, uh, so to speak. I'm only 28, but but uh there you're the old guy. there i'm the old guy at sidecar and but i i have an opportunity to straight up like and i've and i've asked this of my my manager and my other coworkers because i'm how old is your manager 20 oh here we go he's 20 and i i mean it blows my mind i would not have thought he was 20 but thought i would have thought he's much older he's way older and more mature than i was at 20 and i was a believer at that point too like compare that to 18 and it's horrifying but but uh but it there's there's been opportunity for me to literally ask man like okay give me some feedback like what are you seeing in me in this job and with with my manager and with other coworkers because it's been an opportunity to intentionally be humbled and saying i know i don't know anything and you know more than me so so give me the feedback. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what I can change. And it's provided well with my manager, he's expect he's he's glad that I'm asking that, I think. But like I've done this with some of the other coworkers and they're like, "Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure." Like they're like it's like surprising. Um and I think it's all that is is brought up because I think what it's done is it's it's brought greater relationship quicker. Mm-hmm. Um because there's willingness to be told willingness to be taught willingness to be for me to listen to them and uh and it's actually been genuine it's not just been a ploy like i want to know i want to do well at this it comes back to that but but it's deepened relationship um by pursuing that and that's one of the forms of yeah being able to or pursuing humility in this job at this point so let's spend the last 20 minutes actually talking about evangelism then yeah because that is part of Mission at Work. So For what sure. we want to do is not reduce Mission at Work to just evangelism. It's it's modeling Christ. It's being a, a you know a crafter. It's loving people. It's all that stuff. But hey, that's evangelism is loving people. Modeling Christ is loving people. Right. Or uh, evangelism is a uh, yeah yeah modeling Christ. Um. <clears throat> so. And there's the rub, you know, for a lot of people. It's like, okay, I, I, I want to be a better influence for Jesus. I kind of struggle with that. So, um, what, what's your, what's that look like? I mean, you're pretty yeah. early. How long have you been there? It's like a month. It's like a month. And so, you know, there's there's times when you're working, and then there's times when you're chit chatting, and there's break times, yeah. and there's, um, Maybe just speak like, what does that look like for you right now? What is the opportunities? What what are the opportunities? What yeah. are the tensions? So, yeah, one of the we'll just start with the tension. It's primarily just been one. Well, okay, so it's two twofold really. The there's the there's the tension of like, I mean, it's it's in the handbook like, hey, we discourage hefty, uh, divisive conversations around religion and politics and all these things. Um, no, those things happen. That's interesting. So that's a policy because, and I think it's especially because it's a customer service thing. And so we're providing an experience for the customers, um, not an opinion. 
Um, and so I think it's supposed to be. So they mean with customers? I'm not sure if it's a verbatim with the customers or if it's with one another, but it's definitely referring to customers, if not with one another. Okay. It's, it's, and so, um, so like that's, that's written in there because it can get divisive. Um, you don't even have to be religious of any kind or follow any form of God of any kind to get divisive. You just talk like politics, which what God, that's a God. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but so that's, that's a tension is there is like an, a, a communication of like, Hey, chill out. Yeah. Like, you're not here to push your agenda is basically what it is. Um, you're here to push our agenda, uh, which is, which I can't remember what the mission is, but it is like providing a, a wonderful coffee experience for any and all persons that enter the shop basically, or like the drive through. And then the other tension is like, can I, can I yeah. touch on that real quick? When I think that's probably whether or not, however explicitly that's written into any workplace's policy, that's at least implicit, you know, there's, there's, it's one thing to be on mission at work and it's another thing to like ne- be neglecting your work because you're like, right. You're chasing people down trying to have Jesus talks, but like, dude, I, you need to finish the, the presentation. Right. Exactly. Like we're actually, like you're actually do the work, do the thing you're here <laughs> and paid for. Right. And so it's honoring them and that. And right. Exactly. So that's, that's a part of it too is like, yeah, if it's a rush, like I'm not having philosophical conversations. We're literally like slamming espresso and, and getting stuff going as fast as we can. Cause people are off to work in the morning and stuff like that. But yeah. And then another tension has just been like, I'm literally just learning how to do the job. And so you're trying to keep your head above water. I'm I'm trying to actually like know what I'm doing. And so my brain has been in a functioning state of like, I just need to know what I'm doing here. Like I'm still in the learning process, uh, technically still like in my training period. And so like, there's that, like there's times where, um, it's, it's slow or like we're, we're just cleaning or something like that, but where it's less minded, like less, uh, intense thought process but i'm literally just trying to keep track of orders like stuff like that when it's busy and so so yeah like to to some degree i'm literally just trying to learn the job too and yeah. asking those kinds of questions and so it's 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 that's heavily dominating so that's a that's a tension of right now um but you know even observing my coworkers like they're machines like they've been doing it long enough that they don't even think twice about any rush that's thrown at them they just get going and yeah um and so how I've really been approaching it is uh, two f- like two main portions of it is just patience and prayer. Um, but also that's not like to be seen as the cop out of like, then I don't have to actually speak the truth. But it's starting there of like, I know that I want these people like God has been teaching me that he's a friend of sinners. Um, and so a conviction he's been giving me is, Michael, be a friend of sinners. How has he been teaching you this? Um, he's been... <laughs> it came heavily through a book uh, written by Jack Deere, Even in Our Darkness. Um, it's, a, it's a heavy theme in there. Um, but through experience at Convergence Conference in September... Uh, and in following that of just I've had a gap in my understanding of God as friend and as father uh, since becoming a Christian nine years ago. And that gap has been closing in the last two months. 
I think it's been closing. I mean, it's obviously been closing longer than that because I can see God funneling me. But he, uh, he has shown me that he, I mean, this is just so simple, but he's literally just shown me that he actually loves me in a way. And I, <laughs> well, now you want to leave? Could we actually, uh, <laughs> come on, man. And so like, are you crying? I'm about to cry. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. Not in front of you. It hasn't. And so this is, this it's is actually, about time. Crying is actually a fruit of how God's been changing me. He's literally like broken my heart. Uh, a wide open to receive the love that he has for me in a new way, like in a really new way. And, and with that is like the love of a father. Um, I love my dad. So dad, if you ever listen to this, I love you and you're a great dad. And, um, but he's no God, but you're not God. He's not God. Uh, I'm failing my son and my daughter right now as their father. And so, um, I just know that that's how dads on this earth work. Uh, but God has really just been opening me up to that. And with that father is this friend, like he just, so in a, in a sweet prayer time of listening to the Lord, the first time I ever did it, just silently really silently just listening to the Lord. I was asking, we were asking God, what do you think of Redeemer Church? And the answer he gave me was this song lyric from a song by Jonathan Ogden. And the lyric is literally, I just want to be with you. Hmm. And it was this song that's kind of like bedroom music sounding like, and I've, and it's based off like some of the lyrics are from a Psalm. I can't remember which Psalm, but I've always, I'd always thought of the lyric as me singing that to God of, I just want to be with you. Of course, I just want to be with you. Like, you're amazing. I suck. Yeah. And the revelation, like the, the, the thing that God spoke to me in that wasn't me singing that to him, but that was God singing that over me. Yeah. is him saying, no, Michael, I just want to be with you. I want to be near you. This isn't just a one-way thing. Like this is me wanting to be with you. And that's actually why you want to be with me. That's why you are with me is because I want you. Mm. And this has changed me in such huge ways in the way I see humans and the way I see my wife and the way I see my kids and the way this is, it was after that, that I actually applied for the job. And after that, that I actually really wanted this job. I'd been dragging my feet before that. So the job is one of the pieces of fruit that's come from this revelation, like this clarity, this newfound intimacy with the Lord. So I'm tracking with you, but connect the dots. Um, God wants to be with you, and that leads you to go apply for a job at Sidecar. Because what it's showing me is that I want other people to know the God that I know. And I want other people to know the love that I've experienced from this intimate, caring father, friend of sinners. And I'm going to go and be that in the workplace as best as I know how and can and independently leaning on the Lord to guide me in my, my conversations and all these things. But, but I, I want to... I want other people to know that. And it doesn't mean I had to go get a job, but this was a clear... That was your application. This was my application. God had been leading me this direction since March, and I had been dragging my feet from March until basically October on it because I didn't because I had idols. I had things I didn't want to let go of. And he said, enough, now go do it. And he had sparked you know, random encounters with these people that were working there and, and conversations and... Um, 
and I'm at the shop that I'm at, I think very pointedly like God is lining me up with this place to to love them yeah. in the best way I know how and to and literally like I just want to be their friend. Not just in the sense of what most people would expect. Like, sweet, you make friends, great, good for you. Like you have more people to high five and go to the movies with. But like, no, I want to have friends who don't know Jesus so they can be real family. They can become friends of Jesus. They can they can I can have opportunity to share the gospel with them. Like Yeah. And and like I said, like you can do this in so many ways, but my application has been go get this job because it's confounding. Yeah. <laughs> Part of it is it's confounding. That's good. So uh, I didn't know this conversation was going this direction. I was not actually aware of, I mean, I'm aware of some of the experiences that you've been having, but I, this, this connection and, uh, and I think it's great because at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little more about that. Like, well, how do you navigate workplace and strategies and, and uh, you know the different ethoses that can manifest in different workplaces, but but the primary thing is motivation out of worship and lo- and love. Yes. That's it, and that's where because without that, who cares? Then you're right. just using people, manipulating people, doing something right. else. Right. And so what's even come is like my prayer life has skyrocketed. It was garbage before, so that means it's meh now. But my prayer life has skyrocketed since this encounter of knowing the Lord as my father in a new way and knowing him as my friend and how that's manifested. One way it's manifested is I walk to work. I have the opportunity to do that because it's like three quarters of a mile from my house and I can make the time to do that like whatever time. And I, I've grown to love that slowness. And and so I devote that time to praying for whoever I'm working with. Um, and because I want to, like, I, I, I just know that I'm not that savvy. I'm not that much of an evangelist. I'm not that much of an apologist to like coax this person. I'm not that kind. I'm not that loving to just woo this person. Like maybe that's a strength I have is the woo, but winning others over. But like, but even still, like I know at the end of the day, I need Jesus to make this real. I need the spirit of God to infiltrate the hearts of the lost in order for this to actually happen. It's not just me. And so like, and I just, I, I can't help but pray for them. It's good. So yeah. love, prayer, like literally, it's big. Michael, that's, that's really, hu- I mean, that's really huge and yet simple. Like, like it's nothing new, but no. it's, it is new. But we can just fall into routines. Like, man, I don't, I don't know how to be on mission at work. And it's like, okay, like you're literally on your drive to work, just pray for your workers, coworkers. Like that'll change yeah. the universe because God responds to prayer. It'll yeah. shape your heart. It'll it'll frame the day. But I know we can just wake up and I'm going to get to work and listen to my radio or podcast right. or something and come in, clock in and yeah. just do that for several months. And then you go, wait a minute. I, so there's a built-in, I mean, it's like you're walking to it. It's on you. Yes. You're going to work. Like, Right. Like I actually give Bingy... I, like any human being, the alarm clock is a devil uh, for me. And, but it's been easier getting up early enough to make sure I can, because if I drove, it'd take like two minutes to get there. It takes like 15 minutes to just casually walk in. I got to be there a little before my clock in time, blah, blah, blah. But like, you arrive before your clock in time? 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. No, not late. That's confounding. Yeah, I don't want to lose my job. Wow. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it, all that to say, like this, the desire has changed things. It's yep. just changed the way I function. It's changed the way I think. And it, I'm still growing. Like you ask Alan, she's like, that boy doesn't pray, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, she wouldn't actually ver- literally say that, but you know, like I want to grow in this all the more, but like God has given me a desire to actually love my neighbor, good. <laughs> love my coworker. And so did you have something you want to transition no, go, to? Go. I was just going to transition into, so like, what does that even look like actually then in conversation? Like it's just listening and listening for opportunity. Um, uh, it's still fresh. I, I, there's a couple of people I work with consistently. I, there's actually one person who works at our shop. I still have yet to meet uh, because we just work opposites. They close and are, are on weekends and I don't. Um, but it's what's happened and what's happened naturally is through some super generous means uh, of some people in our church, I've, we've been given opportunity to go rock climbing more and that's the beginning of something there. And, and so a lot of my coworkers go rock climbing a lot. And so we've been starting doing more things outside of even the four hour shift or the seven hour shift or whatever it is. And so like, so it's in, in the workplace, it's, it's literally listening and taking opportunity to ask questions and hear them and, and something I'm listening for is like, where's the brokenness? Um, where's, where's the lack? Uh, because yeah, it, it does seem like this is a beautiful world. Like they're living the dream. A lot of them are college students drinking coffee and getting free coffee because they work at the coffee shop and, um, you know, dating and, and trying to figure out what's next and a bright optimistic future because they're, you know, headed towards careers that they think they're going to be passionate about and love. And yet it's, lacking and it's unfulfilling and people hurt them and and they get they're they're broke because they work at a coffee shop or something you know like but it's trying to listen for that brokenness and so i'm growing in that um and asking god asking literally just asking the spirit like what do i say to this how do i respond to their brokenness um in those moments and then continuing that but also like our goal is my goal is not to just be a lone wolf in our family trying to reach sidecar employees with the gospel, but it's to bring my family in on this because it is kind of shocking. And my kids and Allie come in and they already are so loved by my coworkers. And the last thing I need to do is just go off and be a, a standalone in my workplace and leave my wife and kids in the dust. But I want to bring them into this. And so we're we're working on how that manifests itself in our home and outside of our home. Like we're not, it doesn't have to just be the home, but it does include our home. Um, and, uh, how do we, uh, capitalize on the workplace community that's already existing in our shop? Because there is like the, the friends with one another and I've just entered into that friendship. So it's like, how do I mess that up <laughs> by bringing the gospel into it? And that's good. So we didn't bullet point this uh, conversation, but I'm, I'm hearing the I'm hearing the bullet points as we're talking. So the you know love for God being primary, God's love for you being the primary yeah. motivation. To the one want to spread that um, a you know a, a heart to pray for your coworkers, a heart to listen to them as human beings. See, I think we usually go just humans, the, the simplest man. the simplest thing uh, the the, the uh, a simplification simplification of of mission at work is 
how do I say the thing? I need to say the thing, find the opportunity to say the true thing about Jesus that's going to lead them right. to conversion or something. Like, okay, at some point, yeah, you, you know, how would they believe unless they hear? How would they hear without a preacher, right? You got to preach the gospel. Um, but again, we're we're modeling Jesus here, which is all these things. He's motivated by God's love for him. He's um, he's praying. You know, he looks out and sees people as humans. He has compassion. Um, he knows what's in the heart of man. He knows he's listening to us. I believe he, yeah. he uh, searching our hearts. Um, you're doing that. Um, it's spending time. You said friends of sinners. At the end of the day, you know we can't we can't have a bumper sticker approach to mission, which is like uh, you know I heard one of my pastors in the past use this example. You know he he described bumper sticker evangelism like it's a min- minimal information at maximum distance. You know it's mm. it's out there, yeah. like. Um, but yeah, if that's how you're approaching it, look, hey man, I got three minutes or maybe twelve minutes at work where I get to like banter with people. How can I best be savvy and drop some knowledge? And it's like, man, like good luck with all that. Like, though the other thing is you're listening to the spirit. You're asking God for direction and words. Yeah. But the the other thing is viewing, not viewing the workplace as the end game. Like, the, dude, it's, it's the launch pad. It's the launch pad. It's, it's just, just meeting people here. Pad. Now what? Why I now? needed a new launch pad. That's literally what I needed was a new place to start something and start relationships and what's happened. And so, so I can keep doing the other stuff I'm doing, like being at my house, eating food and having conversations that are sweet and enjoyable and maybe challenging and controversial or, or uncomfortable for some or for moments. And yeah, even getting spoiled to do something that I enjoy, like rock climbing or, uh, whatever, whatever else it might turn into, like throwing Christmas parties and stuff like that, birthday parties and everything. But like, yeah, it's definitely just been a launch pad. Like now I know these half a dozen people that I didn't know or didn't know in the same way. And yeah, man, like I'm so optimistic and something that I've learned. One of the reasons I think, or one of the ways that God directed us towards sidecars, we would build relationships with people that work there because here's the deal. Like there's customers that come in, but it's not about the, it's not, my the customers aren't our prime my primary target like that's a fallout like sure you're gonna have a regular and we're gonna build a relationship but now i'm on the other end of that where it's like you get 40 seconds with a human being while they're paying for their coffee and you can ask them a question and eventually you do that 40 times and you might get their first name and their wife's name and maybe that they have two kids and they work at john deere or elsewhere and so that's that's the thing but but what i realized is when i was just a customer trying to do this like it was literally like by the time I got to a point where I could stand at the bar and talk to this barista for 15 minutes and get a conversation started, they moved. Yeah. It's a college town. It's transient. And where we're going is even more transient statistically. Like it's literally just transient. People are coming and going constantly because we're unsettled and unsatisfied and looking for something else constantly, at least people my age and younger, especially. But, and so what it is, is literally like get going. Like yeah. I've set loose goals in my mind, but like one of my goals was after one month, which now we are officially at one month, like get going, get moving yeah, and like be bold, ask people to come into your home, ask people yep. to do things outside of the workplace, like get going. Because if you don't, what are you doing? That's, that's been my conviction It's like, I've just been so slow because I've been so afraid of being bold because I haven't been loving. And all of a sudden the love is there. Now I'm like, I'm ready to be bold with these people because I, I just care more than I've ever cared before. And, and so it's time for me to get moving and shaking and, 
I'm going to really try not to lose the job, but, <laughs> but well, that's I, all right. Worst things have happened, but yeah, it's, I think this is, this is great. It's just, you yeah, got, yeah. So and, go ahead. And all that is by following spirit and following the lead of the Lord in this. And yeah, and that can seem so like, oh, of course, but like, and sometimes I'm like, I think this is what you're doing, God. So let's go for it. And other times it's like, clearly this is what he is doing. So don't ignore it. And so, so it's both. It's not like I'm hyper aware necessarily, I'm not necessarily more aware than anybody else. It's yep. just. That's good. Well, hey, I think, so we're at an hour. We'll, we'll stop here. And I think that's a great place to land. Uh, um, you know, and we'll do this again sometime. And so this is not, uh, uh, again, mission at work here. This isn't Michael, the expert, look how he's killed it. Jeez. I mean, he's, he's kind of jumping back f- into this. He's fresh, but I think there's some gold there in terms of the basics, the heart. Yeah. And, um, cause the biggest difference is literally I've worked jobs in the past and I did not want to spend time with the people that I worked with. I didn't want to talk to them. I didn't want to be a friend to them. I didn't want to build a relationship with them. And that's not because all of a sudden I work with all these cool people, like, you know, construction workers versus coffee shop workers. There is a vast difference between those two, you know, stereotypical categories of human being, but like, it's literally Jesus just changed my heart. Like, yeah, there's no other explanation for it because yeah, there's just no other explanation for it. And I'm grateful for it. Yeah, that's good. And this is, this is the kind of thing that we all need to grow in and we see Redeemer, you know, how do we need to grow? Well, on mission and evangelism and on just intimacy with God, vibrant communion, you know, and, and those are the things they go hand in hand. And so, um, I feel myself being stressed in that and hopefully the, uh, uh, the entire body. Um, but it's good. So thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks Michael for, yeah. Almost shedding a tear there. I saw your eyes well Dude, up. I got the well up. Yeah, the well up. And um it's probably cuz we were, you know, recording a podcast that I is you're acting so formal. No, that I didn't. Oh, that you didn't. You held back. I held back. I Jeez, don't know. dude. My flesh, baby. It's coming. Hey, maybe by the time you're like 74, you'll like you know, get in touch with your emotions. I won't stop crying after 74. Maybe you need to join a cuddle group. Oh. That article that I sent out, you saw yes, that thing? I did. So so it's a it's an article about a, a man men's cuddle group because they need to be more in touch with their emotions and you know what? No. Like number one, yes, men need to, everyone needs to be more in touch with their emotions, frankly. Um, because we are all hard hearted. Men sure sure more so because we can reinforce, you know, this idea that you gotta be tough and um so I certainly celebrate men being affectionate and criers and laughers and encouragers and like Sure. Um, but you know what? Not even grown women should be cuddling together. <laughs> I was talking, we were talking about this like, group the other day, and it wasn't just that it was men with men. It was like, if you came home and Aubrey and Allie were just cuddling. Yeah. Not just, not not, not one of them is going through trauma and she's hugging her, but they're just cuddling. It's yeah. like, you know what? No. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe I'm old school, patriarchal. I don't see reality. I don't think so, dude. Yeah. Don't join a cuddle group, Michael. <laughs> cuddle with Jesus. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> and uh, let the emotions flow and be expressive yeah. and sensitive and all that stuff. But Wow, you, you just had an intervention for me. You were about to cuddle. You thought, I sent that article. You didn't realize I was mocking it. You thought it was a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Christ is averted. Yeah. Man. So anyway, thanks to all of you for tuning in. And uh, as always, feel free to reach out with any uh, questions or suggested topics. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here and to serve in this way. I love you. See you later.
your Bye. word.